Praise the Lord Jesus. Living life, living life. This is what we're about today and every single day is living the life of Christ. When we talk about life, I, I will capitalize the, the word living life, L-I-F-E, because it is very, the, the, very much the, not a natural life, it is supernatural life. It is the life of Christ. So when we talk about living life as a Christian, we really, the, the, the only reality of life that we have is the life in Christ. And that the lower realm of living of the flesh is really dead to us and we're dead to it. We know what Paul writes that through the cross, the world has been crucified to us and us to the world. So that means that my life is not of the earthly realm. My life is not of the world. My life is not of a natural descent, but my life is of a supernatural persuasion. It is the life of faith. It is of a supernatural persuasion because I believe I am. As I believe, I speak. As I believe, out of the abundance of the heart flow the issues of my life, flow the very words, the very words that create and mold my life. And it comes from a place of persuasion. It comes from a place of a new creation knowing that I am now no longer after the flesh, but now I am of life. And so last two Sundays, it's neat because God usually gives me more longer, longer uh, sentences as titles. But last week and the week prior, the um, both times the Lord just gave me one word. And so going back two weeks, he gave me the word alive. And then last week it was research. And today it's a mode of both. It is a mode of being alive, and because we know we are alive, now we can awaken to this divine life. And so there's a resurgence. There is a, a reviving of our understanding. And we looked at the word resurgence. It was a, cro- a close parallel to resurrect. It was, it was uh, research meant to rise up again as if from the dead. And uh, so today, living life, let's go to... Second Corinthians, it's, we touched upon this last time and we'll start from there. Second Corinthians four. When we talk about living life, we're really talking about living Jesus, living out Jesus. When we talk about days of heaven on earth, we're actually talking about Jesus living life through us here on earth because he is the heavenly man. And as he is, so are we, heavenly. And we are placed here on earth as ambassadors of the heavenly. And so we are living out in a heavenly atmosphere all the time. We're living life here on earth, but from heaven. We are heavenly as he is heavenly. So that when we talk about living life, we actually are living out the life of Jesus here on earth. As he walked earth, as he walked earth, and as he went about and turned the water into wine and healed the lame and and opened the, the blind eyes, as he raised the dead back to life, this is the very life that we are living out, a life that transforms water into wine, a life that now brings forth salvation message to the multitude alive that brings forth the healing ministry of Jesus alive that is a manifestation and a demonstration of he himself 
It is the very life of Jesus. And we know that through him we have peace with the Father. So we can even go a step further. It's the very life of God himself. It is the life of our heavenly Father that the Son demonstrated as he walked earth. And so really we are, we are now in a far above place. We are right now in a resurrected moment of reality. We've been raised together with his rising and we live a life from a place of a Oh, a magnitude of a realm of glory that even our natural carnal minds cannot touch, cannot touch. And that is why it is of the Spirit. And that's why we need to daily partake of this precious Word of God to renew our mind, to recognize that we now, when we talk about living life, this is not mundane, worldly life. This is not gossipy life. This is not a fretting life. This is not a life of anxiousness and toil, but it's a life that been fully redeemed and delivered out of an old kingdom of darkness that's under our feet into a brand new kingdom of glory. That, that where He is, we are one with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Oh my, my. And that's why we looked at this portion of scripture last time that because of this knowing, because of being alive, because of this resurgence of being awakened to our divine reality, we don't have to lose heart. We don't have to be discouraged. And there are moments where there is palpable discouragement that's being thrown at us, but it's not ours to take. It's not ours to meditate. It's not ours to sit in and stew in. It's not. We'll not be cooked today in discouragement. We're not going to be cooked today in fret and anxiousness of mind. No, today we bring deliverance to the multitudes. Today we, 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 we call out, be reconciled to God. And so uh, this is how chapter 4 starts in 2 Corinthians verse 1. Therefore, since we have this ministry, and last time we referred to it, of course, it's what he writes in chapter 3. It's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We're not to lose heart. We're not to lose heart. And then we skip down to verse 6. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. And that's what happened. He commanded life to shine out of us. That though at one point Ephesians rise that we were darkness, now we are a light. And we're to walk in the light. We're to walk as light. And so that now we have the same ability as God to, to bring forth light out of darkness because now we are the very light of the world. So when we say be reconciled to, to God, we're really saying light be in you. Light be in you. So it was God who commanded light to shine. Light always shines out of darkness. You know, right when darkness thinks I'm too dark, I'm too thick, I'm, 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 I'm out of touch of light, light comes as a light be and light shines out. And that is who God is. Nothing is too big. Nothing is too, too difficult. Nothing is too hard for our God. Is there a loved one that you're believing for today? Do not give up hope in God. Because this hope that we have in God does not disappoint. It is our very assurance that, that faith rests on. Because faith is those things that we hope for. It is evidence. It is a manifestation of an unseen reality of persuasion. 
So it will bring forth a divine materiality by faith. We is bringing light being a dark moment and light is because darkness cannot comprehend nor refuse light. But what does darkness do? Darkness flees from light. Because when we resist Satan, what does Satan do? He grows and increases and, 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 and gets bigger. No, he flees from us. Sometimes in, in the body of Christ, we have these thoughts of spiritual warfare and we think we've got to like slug it out, slug it out. And there, are, there is place of perseverance. There are places where you stand and after you've stood, you keep standing. But it is an immobility of persuasion. If God before me, who can be against me? And I don't care what it seems like. I know one thing, Satan flees from me because I am the light of the world. And you walk. So what that there is pressure? He, he'll continue here, Paul, talking about this pressure. So what? The pressure that's on that devil is far greater than what you're feeling today. I can assure you that. There is a plan that's being forged right now and brought forth through the, the utterances of the body of Christ. There is a divine plan that's being executed right now in the heavenly. And yeah, there's a war going on. But I'm telling you, in Christ, it's been trumped. In Christ, it is a done deal. In Christ, we know we always, always are led into triumph. And so why worry? Why worry? Why worry? Why worry when we know that glory is working in us? When we know that we have a ministry of reconciliation to bring to the world? When we know that we have now this ministry that, that of the Spirit, that through this ministry we have all sufficiency. All sufficiency is in the Spirit. And it continues in verse 6 that He has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge, the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This knowledge is light. This word that you hold in your lap, that, 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 that you hold in your hands, it is light. It is the very light of God. When you receive light, you are being transformed into a brand new, a brand new ah, ah, expression of divine life. So we can live his life here on earth through a mind renewal, through a mind renewal, through a mind renewal. And that is where the crux is. No one wants to get in the word to change their mind because we all think our minds in the old carnal kinky way are just so straight. We just know it all. We just know it all. We know we've heard a few sermons. We have gone to church with our little Bibles. We sat in the pews and hear the pastor and the preacher talk and we just now know it all we know it all so why read the bible sometimes maybe yeah but i know every verse i can quote i can back and forth no don't ever forsake the abiding in the word of god don't ever forsake the daily renewal of your mind it's amazing how quickly the old mindset comes back up it's a constant putting down. It's a constant take evalu evaluation of, of, of your thoughts and bring those down that are exalting themselves above the knowledge of Christ. And so this knowledge is light. And don't let darkness lie to you. Don't let darkness lie to you. Because he has no right to do so. In verse 7, why does he have no right? Because we have a treasure divine. We have divine life. Life speaks to us. Life communicates truth to us. We have given, we have been given the right 
to life. When we became born again, we were given the right to become children of God, to be born of God. And God is eternity. God is eternity. The very life of God is eternal life. And so we now have the Zoe eternal life of God that we are born a superior life. You know, we, we've heard so many messages on the good life, the blessed life. And it's so powerful because it is the very truth. But how do you walk it out? It is a revelation life. It is a life. Life of light. It is the best life we can ever have. The very life of Christ. It's not my life. I can't patch up some sort of a carnal knowledge or understanding of a verse or two and patch it up. And I'm going to, with my now human effort, try to really, 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 really hard not to lie. But I really want to lie. But in Christ, there's a brand new reality that when you put this word in this persuasion of truth, you don't want to lie. You don't want to lie, so you don't have to patch anything anymore. It's who you are. You are truth. You are life. You are, you are kindness. I don't have to try to be kind. I don't have to try to be patient. I have to yield to his patience in me. I have to allow the fruit for him to bear through me his very fruit of righteousness and light and peace and joy. I am him now in Christ. I have become, I, uh, Romans writes in Romans 8 that we have been preordained to be conformed to the image of God, to the image of Christ that we know Hebrew says is the very expressed image of the Father. We're conformed. We've been predestined to be like him. We've been predestined through this new nature, but it's in the new nature, it's in the born again man, it's in the spirit man that now this light shines and this treasure is in this earthen vessel. That the excellence of the power, if we continue in verse 7, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. This is what we're talking about. This life is of God. It's not of you and me. I can't of myself have a good life. I can't of myself have a blessed life. I can't of myself have my best life. Yet, no, I only of God I only of God have life. I only of God have days of heaven on earth. I only of God have goodness and mercy. I only of God am righteousness unto him. Only of God. Because this excellence of power, this demonstration of joy, this demonstration of hope, this is what power is. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory. It is of God, not of you and me. So we don't have to struggle to become something that we already are. <laughs> we already are. That's why on the outside we are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We're perplexed, not in despair. You know why? He continues, let's say, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed. You know why? Because his life is 
indestructible because his life is non-corruptible because his life cannot be crushed his life is eternal his life cannot be cut off that's why no matter the pressure on the outside if you're mindful of who you are in Christ a new creation full of life you cannot go down it is impossibility for you to ever lose out on anything though it might seem there are challenges don't survey those no one thing one thing God lives in me this excellence of power persuasion it is of God and not of me it's not of me even this utterance it is divine understanding it is divine invigorment to bring forth an encouragement to us today that we are of God that we're not of this flesh this flesh is immortal this flesh doesn't know anything Outside of habitual, habitual routine, whatever, we were raised up by what, whoever were raised up, mom and dad, and we blessed them all. But not everything that we learned in the natural self was really for our benefit. And so now, together with flesh coupled to that, we can really be very good at self-destroying ourselves. But God in his mercy... God is mercy called us out. He called us out into this glorious reality to live life now, to live out his life now, to live out this hope that he is for me, that he is in me, and that he's working all things out for me, for my good. Why? Because I love him. Because really he loved me first. I just respond to his love and because I'm called according to his purpose. I've chosen to walk out and yield to the Holy Spirit and walk out those plans that are for me, for my good. If you go to 10, always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, the outer man is in constant place of death. The outer man, we give him no right to live. The outer man we reckon dead in Christ. The outer man, the only identification that outer man ought to have is the death of Christ. That is the only identification of your outer man. It is the death of Christ. And through that death, we have died. And now my new man has a brand new reality. That the life of Jesus right here, that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our body. That now I reckon myself alive unto God by the Spirit. Oh, this reality to not just be a Sunday morning message, but to be a a wake-up, go-to-bed throughout the day, understanding of reality, to be moved by the soul moment of God in me. To know that I have already overcome the world, that no matter what it seems like, looks like, reads like, sounds like, it is really not my portion in life. Because my life is Christ's life, and my portion is Christ. My reality, Colossians says, is the only reality is found in Christ. It's found in Christ. If you go to 13, and since we have the same spirit of faith, <laughs> according to what is written, I believe and therefore I spoke. We also, this is quoting David, we also believe and therefore speak. 
We believe this message. We believe the message of life. We believe that Jesus now is my life and I'm walking out Jesus on earth. We believe and as we believe, we're speaking. We're proclaiming the message of Christ. Why? Because we're now his living epistles. And, and if you just glance over to chapter 3, Paul writes in verse 2, You are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men. We are read by all men. People can look at our lives and read us. They can read us. We don't even have to say a word, the very matter of our life. And that's why to be able to, to, to allow the Holy Ghost to lead you into this process of transformation is beneficial, not just for you, but for the whole world, because Christ will be seen in your life then. Not the old man. Because what flesh counts for what? Some things? Nothing. Zero. Zilch. Nada. <laughs> that's why we don't Fortify the flesh with worldly things, but we reckon it dead through the cross of Christ so we can truly live. So really the message of Christ is life that follows death. It is the message of resurrection. It is the message of coming out of a dead moment into a brand new life. It's really a message of a new start. How glorious that is. Every day we have this potential of a new start in him. And so verse 3, clearly you are an epistle of Christ. Clearly you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, written not with ink, but by the Spirit. Our lives, our lives, and as we go through this renewal process of our minds and we are conformed to His image, it, it is the Spirit. Spirit now that's ministering life because life has been written on our hearts. The Spirit that gives life. Jesus says the Spirit gives life. That, that now this life-giving Spirit has, has written on our hearts. Life. And that's why we are a life-giving Spirit. Because of that which we have freely received, which is life, we now freely give, which is life. Oh, praise the Lord. So go back to the tail end of 13 in chapter 4. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that grace having spread through the many may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. And if there is anyone who should have lost heart, it's Paul the Apostle. But we do not lose heart. Even though our outer man, though our outer man is perishing, our outer man, we're reckoning daily. Day says, I die daily. Daily. Right. Daily I die. But we don't lose heart. We're exuberant with life now. We are full of joy. Why are we going to lose heart? When we have his joy, when we have his strength. And he says that. Though our outer man is dying, yet, 
the inward man is being renewed day by day. We're getting stronger. We're getting stronger. We're running faster. We're enduring greater distances of glory. We, we are persevering longer. We are overcoming more daily, daily, because this inward man, the man of Christ within me, the hope of glory in my life, no longer I who live, but Christ who lives. He now is getting stronger. I'm allowing the Christ life to become strong in me because of persuasion that if he be for me and in me then I cannot be crushed I cannot be forsaken I cannot be destroyed because his life is immortal and though my Jesus tears and my flesh goes by the way of the grace I just step from here to there into glory no pain no death where is where there is no even smell of death only life is our portion in Christ. For our light, light, little afflictions, they're very little afflictions. Our light afflictions, which is for a moment, is working for us. So thank God, just go to your big, big, toughest, big Jude problem. Say, you know what? You're working for me, big Jude. You're working for me. You're working for me. You're just light. You are nothing to me. You are nothing to me. You are so insignificant, you're just a little moment. But you know what? You're working for me. This little moment of affliction is working what, what, what? Far more exceeding and eternal way to glory. Come on now. Why discouraged? Why survey a moment and magnify it in a magnitude when God says it's, it is light and it's just but a moment. But I tell you, it's working. This crushing, this, this pressure, it's working. We're being forged. We're being groomed. We're being resurged into aliveness again to who is in us now. Our gaze is placed on the one who scolded us in this forward, upward race. I thank God for every pressure. Did not always enjoy the moment. But if we didn't go through the pressure, I wouldn't be in this persuasion of glory now. I've seen all the miracles I've seen. Healings. We don't quit ever. We don't ever lose heart. Never lose heart. Never lose heart. Never give up. Never give up. No matter what it's insinuated. No matter the perplexity. You will never be in despair. Why? Because your hope is Christ. Why? Because he lives his life in you now and through you. And that's, that's right here in 18, he says, while, so all of this is working for us, but there is a key. Don't look. While we do not look at the things which are seen, we pay no attention. But at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary. I don't give my sight a focus on something that's temporary. Why pay attention to something that's passing? Fast-moving object, you can't even see it so fast. It's like when your car driving fast, I like driving fast. I like driving fast. So you don't see the objects. It just goes, goes. All you're aware is, you're in charge 
of the movement. You're in charge of the movement. You're in charge of where you go. You're in charge not to look at what is seen and to keep your focus straight ahead. For the things which are seen are temporary, but things which are not seen are eternal. Romans 8, flip, let, yeah, let's go to Romans 8. Paul says exactly this was his persuasion. And we see it through the, the epistles, we see it everywhere, this, this strength of persuasion. Romans 8, 18, for I consider that the... <laughs> I, this is right after he said, pay the flesh no attention. It's carnal, it's death. But the mind of the spirit is life. The mind of the spirit is the mind of Christ. And he's saying from, from that moment, just if you go to Romans 8, you know, that we are now... Now we've been given the spirit of life that lives in us and is quickening our mortal bodies and, and that we're to keep our mind on the spirit, which is life and peace. And then if we live according to the flesh, we die. But if we live according to the spirit, we live. And then since we've been given the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father, we are now his children. We are his children. And the magnitude of that reality that I'm his child in the magnitude of what he just wrote here in Romans 8, he's saying, you know what? I consider these present sufferings not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. I give it no attention. I don't put my mind on the carnal because that is death. But I put my mind on the spirit. By the spirit that I have been given, I call out to my heavenly father. I'm a child of God. And this is what we're to be mindful of, that we are the children of God. We are the children of God. And that now we have his life. I read 18 again because it's just so good. For I consider. So there is a consideration that we can give or not give to some things. There is a consideration. And you know we can hear it in our conversation when we talk to someone. What are we talking about? It's that which we're considering. That which we're considering. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared. Not worthy to be compared. So I have one consideration that what I'm going through, this trouble on the outside, it's not worthy to be compared to the glory which will be revealed in me. And this glory has to be revealed in us, the body of Christ, because all of creation is waiting for this unveiling of the sons of God and the sons unveiled through this external pressure. Why? Because flesh is stubborn. And if you don't crucify the old man, you will never walk the walk of the spirit. I can assure you that. If you don't make the right consideration, flesh is so easy to rule us. Because we're so familiar with the flesh. Flesh is what holds us back from running this race with perseverance. Flesh is what keeps us in the ways of the world. Flesh is what communicates despair to us. Flesh is what communicates condemnation to us. Flesh is, is the inadequacy that we are aware of. It is the flesh. So why would you listen to something that's dead? Reckon it dead and move on. One consideration alone we have is that that which we're going on on the outside has really no great value in light of what is happening to us in the spirit. A great unveiling of glory. Verse 19, 
for the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subject to futility, not willing, but because of him who subjected it in hope, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption, which we know it's death, into the glorious liberty of the children of God. What is this liberty? It's the life of God. It's the very life of God. All creation is groaning like in labor pains until now waiting so that we, the sons of God, be seen. That's so amazing. Let's go to verse, to chapter 3 in Romans, since we're in Romans. Actually, it's uh, 6. It's it's chapter 6, sorry. Pretty much have preached along this way a lot. Verse 8. Let's do 8. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, right? So we're talking about living life. So if we have died, if we have identified with his death, or just earlier here, Paul writes that we've been baptized into, into his death. And because we have this identification of, of his death, now we can have an identification of his life because with his rising, we were raised. If if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. So do you believe you died with him? Because if you believed you died with him, then you will live with him. So it's, it's so important what you believe. It's so important not to feel like God is over there and me over here. And I'm, I'm trying really hard, God. God, I'm trying really hard. But you know, the world, it's wicked, God. And I'm stuck here. No, God doesn't hear that at all there's no validity in in that statement because if we have died with him we live with him no excuse we're not stuck in the world in the worldly system we've been raised up out of it knowing that christ having been raised from the dead dies no more isn't that powerful knowing that christ having been raised from the dead dies no more and we just found out just before that, that now through his raising, we have newness of life. That we united with him uh, in verse 5. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. This is our identity. This is all I think about. I'm now in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing then that Christ having been raised from the dead, that's referring to his resurrection, right? He dies no more. Well, what did we just read in verse 5? That we are now in the likeness of what? His resurrection. And he says, he dies no more, which means I don't die no more. My spirit man lives forevermore. And that's what the word says. We've passed from death to life. So why fear death? It has no hold on us. Because it, Christ dies no more. And I too in Christ die no more. Because I've already reckoned myself dead in his death. And now I live in his life. And his life is eternal. And that's the life I live. It, there's no more death. The outer man subject to death. Corruption. But I don't know myself after that outer man. I don't know my 
myself that way no more. That's what Paul writes to Corinthians, that, that we are to know ourselves after the spirit man, that we are brand new creation. The old has gone. Behold, it's brand new. Behold, it's brand new. And this is the work of faith. It is knowing who you are. It's abiding and eating the word of life so you be transformed in your mind to know Christ died no more, dies no more, and I'm now in the likeness of his rising and his resurrection, and I too die no more. How invincible would we feel then? How, how, how empowered would we feel then? Only life lives, lives in me. And that's why Paul says, I reckon this outer things is nothing. Except it's working for me. It's working for me. All things work for me, for my good. Put the sassy on. Talk to that thing. Talk to it. Talk to your moment. You're nothing. You're a passing, fleeing shadow. But God in me is eternal life. And now I now live his life. Because that's what we, we read. We also live with him. Death no longer has dominion over him and neither over us. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. This life that we live, we live to God. This life that we're talking about living life, it's unto God. That's another moment of sobriety. That I'm not my own and I live life to God. I live his life unto him. Before him. In his very presence. I don't have to seek his presence. I don't have to make his presence come. I live in his presence. I live in his life. I don't groan for his presence. I am his presence. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. I host his presence. His presence is in me. No more striving for the presence of God. He lives in me. Likewise, verse 11, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We are alive today. We have this resurgence of understanding today, and we are living his life today in this glorious persuasion. Here, if we go to the tail end of 13, actually read the whole 13, and do not... Actually, it's the 12. Might as well just do the whole thing. Therefore, do not let sin. So because you live to God now, don't let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lust. We don't do that anymore. He has no dominion over us. We, we've been raised together with Christ out of this mortality, out of this uh, sin dominion. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being what? Alive from the dead. How do we present ourselves to God? I'm dying, God. I'm struggling really hard, God. I can't make it. God, I can't make it. If you don't come through for me right now, I'm, I'm, I'm as good as dead. See how unscriptural that is. See, when you read the word, it clears out your kinky old religious mindset. 
of woe is me, false humility. Not good enough, never good enough. What does Paul say? What does Paul say? Present yourselves to God. Be bold. That's what Hebrew says. You, you've come now. Come boldly through the blood. You've been cosplayed. You've been given a pure conscience. You've been given up. Audience. Forever. With the master of the universe. You live life before him. Present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead. Alive from the dead. And your members as instruments of righteousness to God. And for sin shall have, shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under law, but under grace. You are in the blood of Christ. Your sins have been washed away. You now stand through Christ as a righteous, as a righteous man and woman of God before the sight of God. And one thing you do is you present yourself before him as living and alive. Alive from the dead. God, I'm alive today. God, I don't need more reviving. I'm alive. Show me the one I'm supposed to go revive, God. Show me the one I'm supposed to go and bring a, a word of encouragement, God. Show me the one, God, because I am alive already. It changes how we talk to people. It changes how we perceive ourselves. That we can now see ourselves as associates of God that Peter writes. Of the God class. One with God. What? I have so many verses. My time is up, I think. So many verses. In Ephesians, in Colossians. In John, well, go to John 6. We're going to do John 6. Because two weeks ago, I finished saying, I got a few more verses in John. And I never went to them last week. So I'm going to do them now to keep to my word. And then we're going to wrap it up. John 6. I get stirred up and I can keep on going on. <laughs> The life of God. The life of God. He said, make a presentation of yourself before God. As one who's living. As the one who's been equipped for life. Oh, that's a champion mindset. <laughs> champion. We are the champions of the world. We're God's champions. We've overcome all because of Christ, our champion. All right, 47, this is the words of Jesus that John is, is writing here, quoting. Most assuredly, I say to you, Jesus says this, he who believes in me has what? Everlasting life. Everlasting life because I believe in Jesus who is life. Everlasting life. It's John 6, 47. Everlasting life. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. You can just spend months eating that up. I believe in Jesus. Any ailment, any ailment, I speak to myself as well. Any moment, any weakness in you, in your mortal body, you can come here and hear him say to you, he who believes in me, has everlasting life. Only life lives in me. No ache, no pain, no perdition, no weakness, but everlasting life. 
The very life of God lives in my mortal body. Wow. I am the bread of life, Jesus says. In, I'll just skip here to 51. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. You want life? Eat the living bread today. We're not even in a natural life. What sustains us is food. Jesus is our sustenance in the spiritual life of life divine. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, which we know it's his very word, if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, oh, which I shall give for the life of the world. What? The bread that I shall give is my flesh. His flesh was broken for us that we can live. The bread that I give, it's my flesh. The word that became flesh, think about that. The word that became flesh, he gave for the world. He gave his word to the world so we can have his word, which is his life. Eat the word of God. Eat the life of God. Don't ever depart from the truth of this divine flesh, of this divine life. The life of the world. And that's 53. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you, sh you have no life in you. Christ is our life. Christ who died. Christ who broke his body. Christ who shed his blood. This living word is what we're eating now. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I'll raise him up in the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. This is the oneness we have in the body and in the blood of Christ with our heavenly Father. As Christ and the Father one, we in Christ are one. We in the Father one in the spirit of his body, in the spirit of the blood of Christ. What power and what glory is about to be unleashed through the body of Christ in this world. Hallelujah. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father. So he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead, but he who eats this bread will live forever. He who eats this bread will live forever. And so today when we talk about living life, is actually we're talking about living the life of the Word of God. The life of the Word. Go and live life today. Hallelujah. Amen.